Hello everyone and welcome back to A Dancer's Mindset with myself, Isabella. Today is a super exciting episode because we're interviewing a very, very special guest and I am so thrilled she agreed to come on the podcast. It is none other than Misty Copeland. Now, Misty was the first African-American woman to become a principal dancer of ABT, breaking boundaries in more ways than one. She spent a long time battling the stereotype of what a ballet dancer should look like And she's gone on to become not only a principal dancer, but also an amazing public figure, bringing more awareness to ballet and making it more accessible to people who never deemed it possible to be involved in this industry. She's a huge inspiration to us all, and I couldn't be more thrilled that she's decided to come on the podcast today. So everyone, let's meet Misty. to find new ways of interpreting a role or enjoying the process. And I think there's something beautiful about that challenge. Cynthia immediately said, you know, I think you're a prodigy. Dancers of color have to work twice as hard. You know, what I wanted was bigger than myself. For me, it felt like being at ABT was the way to do that. So hi, Misty. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Like I say, it's a huge honor. And I know my followers are going to be absolutely thrilled that you've come on the podcast. Um, I wanted to start early on. So you started late to ballet. And how old are you when you started and what inspired you to start in the first place? Yeah, um, so I had no exposure to ballet at all. Um, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri um, and moved to the Los Angeles area when I was two years old. Uh, There was a lot of music in my household. Uh, My mom was constantly playing a range of music but there was no classical music. I didn't hear classical music until I was 13 years old when I started ballet. But I would say it was music that really motivated me to want to explore movement and explore, you know, what that meant like in my body. Um, So I would say around the age of like seven, I started to create and choreograph. And that was not based on seeing uh, an organized, you know, dance genre or anything. Um, I, it was just something I had in my in my imagination and in my head when I heard music. I wanted to express myself through movement. Um, so it was because of that love of music and and then wanting to create and choreograph that I decided I would audition for the dance team um, when I was about twelve and a half. So that was really yeah. the first. I ever kind of put myself out there, um, expressing myself through, through movement. Um, and I was made captain of the team, uh, which was a shock to my entire family because I had, uh, I was so shy and so introverted, um, that they couldn't believe I would even put myself out there and Mm. and audition, not just for the dance team, but for the captain position. So that's kind of where my, my world's just, it changed and and dance became such a big focus in it. And then at 13 years old was when I, uh, found ballet at the community center. I was attending after school at the boys and girls club. So that was where I took my first ballet class at 13. Amazing. Um, I really resonate you already when you talk about 
music because yeah. it wasn't seeing a ballet for me that made me start at all. I, okay. um, my dad um, used to play, it was classical music. It was the Rite of Spring, quite traumatic oh. um, before school. And so um, I used to like go into the lounge and then try to, you know, the bum, 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 bum. I used to try to bounce on the beat and just like, <laughs> um, and just like, yeah, just really loved music. And that was when I really felt something in my soul want to express it through body and um yeah that came to me way before actually thinking oh you, I can actually go to a ballet class and do right. this and learn how to do it um so that's really interesting so when you started ballet um more seriously you met um Cindy your teacher yes yeah and tell me more about um her and your journey with Cindy yeah, so um, it was through an, an incredible program, and I and I've I'm in the midst of starting my own foundation, um, really built around this, this similar, you know, built around my experience, but um, to be able to bring access to communities that don't have it. Um, and it was through a program exactly what I'm making now um, that I was discovered, I guess you could say. Um, but there is a local ballet teacher, Cynthia Bradley, in my small town of San Pedro, California. Um, and she was giving this ballet program through the Boys and Girls Club, through the community center I was attending with me, with my five siblings, because I'm one of six children. And it was a safe place for us to be at after school while my mother was working many jobs. Um, so Cynthia wanted to find more diverse students to bring into her school on scholarship. That was the goal of this program at the Boys and Girls Club. And um, the first class I ever took was on a basketball court and I was in my gym clothes and um, Cynthia immediately said, you know, I think you're a prodigy. I've never seen anyone be able to absorb the uh, information and hold on to it. And, the, and then my body was capable of, of, um, doing everything she asked me to do. Um, and, you know, within weeks, uh, Cynthia brought me into her school on full scholarship. And then I ended up living with her and her family for the three years, um, which, you know, was a difficult decision for my mother to make, but we just yeah. didn't have the means. My mom didn't have a car. We didn't have a way for me to get back and forth from mm. the ballet class. Uh, my mom had five other children that she was taking care of, and her priority was getting us to school and keeping food on the table and a roof over our heads. So um, it was a really difficult time, which is so interesting, I think, um, yeah. that when ballet came into my life, we were probably at the lowest point in our family dynamic. My mother had just divorced for the fourth time, and we were living in a motel. We didn't have a home. Yeah. Um, and so, so Cindy kind of saved you in a way. Yes, I would say that Cindy, as well as ballet, yeah, uh, it it gave me a sense of purpose and mm. focus and meaning in a way that I'd never experienced, yeah, uh, and a voice to be able to express myself in a way that you know, being a, a middle child and one of six children and not always feeling secure and safe. Yeah. In, yeah. in my you know life experience ballet gave me that and Cynthia as well yeah and your mother letting you go probably she saw even though how difficult that must have been sure saw that this was an opportunity to give you a, a life like a real amazing really? life and that says something about your mom I mean that's amazing um so now 
then you went to Cindy. And when was the first moment that you realized yourself, obviously as a young girl, that you had something special here and you had talent for ballet? Did you, you already know, know this at that time? I mean, I didn't, I never believed the people around me who would say, no, that. I don't think we ever do. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, Cindy was telling me, you know, you're a prodigy and, um, you know, for me, I, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed the work. I, I loved being in the studio. I loved being on yeah. stage more. So it was never even about whether or not I was good or, no. it, but I was given an opportunity and I wanted to, you know, do as much as I could with it. I don't think that it, it was, it probably wasn't until I went away to my first summer program that I then started to understand. I think when I was being measured next to other dancers mm -hmm. from all parts of the world, um, San Francisco Ballet was where I went my very first summer. Um, and I'd only been dancing for like a year and a half or something. That's, in, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, it was, it was terrifying, you know, to be in a different atmosphere. Um, ballet, what I knew was this tiny little studio in, in the, yeah. in the that I lived in. Um, and it was the first time that I was, you know, uh, surrounded by other dancers that were um, at a high level. I think it was probably there, you know, they, they put me in the highest level um, of the summer intensive, even though I, I still was learning vocabulary, I still didn't know uh, what I was doing, really. But I was yeah. good at um, mimicking, you know, I could, I could visually see something and, and hold on to it, you know, copy. I think that's really important, actually, to be a successful, well, also a very sort of good student is to be able to look at your teacher and then just like apply it instantly. Apply it. Yeah, it, you know, it, it helped me to, I, I moved forward very rapidly, but there's no shortcuts in ballet. So I didn't have, you know, the stamina and, uh, you know, just the, what's, what's built over years and years of repetition and mm and having an understanding of, of taking on a character, all of these things when you're performing. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it was there at San Francisco that was the first time that I think I understood uh, my natural ability, but it also yeah. made me aware of how much more work I needed to do. Yeah, I think the first time, um, like again, I, I really get it because I also fell in love with the hard work. And when I was nine, I was introduced to my first Russian coach and oh, she was yeah. like slapping my feet and like shouting at me and almost making me cry. But I was like, God, like I'm really like sweating. <laughs> and like, I don't think I've ever been so red. And then I just kind of got obsessed with the hard work rather than I wasn't even thinking about performing or anything. I was just like, I really enjoy working towards something and like being good at something and like having someone say, yeah, you've, you've got it well done um, more than anything else. And so, yeah, I really understand. Um, I want to fast forward now to when you then joined ABT mm -hmm. and obviously coming from a small studio and doing a few summer intensives, that must've been uh, a shock. And yeah. was that, sort of a bit of a culture shock and hard to get used to like how did your body cope with the regimen and um did you feel behind on anything technically oh yeah um so i i really so i trained for four years before i moved to new york city and joined american valley theater's studio company right um so it was very fast and um 
And it was a lot of, it was a big adjustment. So my first summer in New York City, uh, that was really difficult on my body, you know, being in point shoes for, I, I guess it was probably like five or six hours a day, which yeah. now that's like nothing, but, um, <laughs> you know, then, you know, as a, as a young, as a young person, that was a lot on my body and then changing between different genres and types of movement, which you tend to do in summer intensives are, you know, doing, exploring modern dance and character dance and, uh, more contemporary ballet, uh, was a lot for my body to, to take on, but, mm. um, it was extremely difficult once I got, I think, into the company. Yeah. Uh, when I was in the studio company, you know, things move at a, at a, at an easier pace and they kind of adapt to, there's only six girls and six boys in the studio company and right. small touring group. And, um, they're a little more accommodating and, um, and kind of nurturing you. And then after a year in the studio company, I was thrust into the company. And I think that's when it really hit me how much, how many holes I still had in my technique. Um, and again, stamina that, you know, I, at that point had only been dancing for five years and mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not a lot of, uh, a lot of experience under my belt. And, um, you know, it was, it was just being able to hold on to the technique, um, throughout, a, you know, a four act ballet, like Swan Lake, uh, that was really revealing, um, for me when I joined the company. But again, you know, uh, Kevin McKenzie, art, the artistic, well now former art, about to be former artistic yeah. uh, director of, of ABT, um, was always such a big support for me. Um, and, you know, even though there, I, there were people in the artistic staff that, um, you know, over the years were not always the most open in terms of the diversity, you know, yeah. the black woman in the company for the first decade of my career, mm -hmm. but Kevin was always, had an understanding of, um, I think my potential and talent and what it meant to have a black, a black woman in the company. Um, and I think that was really helpful to have his support and guidance throughout my career, especially in those beginning years. Yeah. I remember seeing, um, in an interview somewhere, you mentioning that, um, you had a meeting with Kevin and then you had to explain that, you know, I actually have to work a lot harder than everyone else. And that maybe he didn't quite understand that initially. And I thought to myself, you know, um, obviously you had big obstacles, but even myself as very a very tall dancer, especially mm -hmm. in England, I felt, um, again, that was a huge obstacle. And it's kind of like you have to work doubly hard and um, almost be better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you feel that? And how did you cope with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I don't fault someone like Kevin and in, in his position and, and um, being in an atmosphere and, uh, you know, a career where that's not something that's acknowledged, uh, you know, for uh, people, dancers who are different, especially when you're like in an elite company and you're expected to look a certain way and most dancers do. Um, whether they're a certain height, have a certain body type, you know, background, whatever it is. But I've, I've always felt that it was important for me to have an open communication and dialogue with my artistic director to have an understanding of where I, I was coming from. And it wasn't that I wanted things to be easier for me or um, I don't know. It, it was, no, you it was just boring. wanted to kind of open the door because yeah. the door was yeah. closed. Exactly. And ha have an understanding of, 
you know, for, for future dancers of color to come yeah. into the company of, of what the experience is and what needs to be changed and, and adjusted. And, and, you know, when I, when I said to him that dancers of color, black dancers in particular, black women, um, have to work twice as hard. You know, it's not, it's not as simple as uh, just, you know, the work that's being done in the studio, but yeah. yes, you have to have um, talent at a, at a different level just to get your foot in the door to these yeah. companies, but it's about what you're dealing with on a daily basis in the studio and outside of the studio, especially here in the United States, um, yeah. being, being black, being brown, um, you know, whether it's something that people are conscious of, it's the, the language that's being used, it's, it's maybe the unconscious biases that people have, you know, I, I spent the first, you know, couple of years in my career, you know, the artistic staff questioning whether or not I should be on stage in, in the ballet blanc, you know, in the white ballet. Yeah. I mean, and that's terrible. And it's, and it, these things take a toll on you. And I don't think people of understand. Course know the effects that it can have especially on a young person when you enter a company you don't have necessarily have mentors and, and guidance built into that atmosphere no and I think you must have felt extremely isolated and quite alone for a long time um and you know throughout that period whilst you were sort of trying to battle these boundaries you know was there a moment when you thought about giving up or or quitting so many times and and you know and this isn't a unique unique to dancers of color i know that no. i know that dancers i've general, probably thought about it nearly every day <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a difficult career and i think that it 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 takes um a lot of strength and perseverance but it also takes having a support system and we don't always have built in in the ballet uh community i i think we've we've grown a bit but i mean i've now been a professional for over 20 years and definitely didn't have it 20 years ago um but it's really been um just about having having that support because it's it's it is very isolating and um you know it took having other dancers of color in the company with me uh it, they were mostly men to yeah really ha be able to feel comforted in having that back and forth dialogue when you don't have anyone else that can relate to you. Like Eric Underwood was a close friend of yours, wasn't he? Yes, Eric yeah. was, um, you know, just to have someone who you can, who you can look at and, and, and maybe not even have to say anything to, and they understand the journey of, of what it is you're experiencing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that's why it's important to uh, to highlight the the need and necessity for mentors in young dancers lives. Absolutely. Whether, that's, whether that's, you know, it doesn't have to be people that are in the company with you. They can be mm. people outside of and they don't have to be ballet dancers either. That's really, I think, been the strength behind me throughout my journey is accepting and acknowledging um, mentors that come into your life that can just be a support system, a, a sounding board, um, people that can give you advice on on communication with with your elders or you know people that you work under or your peers. I, I think it's all really beneficial to have. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast in a way because I wanted to help a lot of dancers because having gone through all these feelings myself, 
like a lot of dancers have, you know, the self-doubt, the turmoil, the low self-esteem, yeah. imposter syndrome, all that stuff. Uh, that you're, you're doing this because yeah. so, many, I, I, so many people do feel discouraged and, um, and, you know, for me going back to your question, which I veered off, but, uh, <laughs> wanted to quit many times. Um, and I think it's important to have, you know, people there to support you so that you don't kind of push over the edge or, or get to a point where you're, uh, you're, you're losing sight of what it is you're doing and why. And I think for me, uh, you know, there were times when I just felt so isolated and alone before I had all of these mentors in my life. And I thought about, you know, quitting dance or, um, joining dance suit of Harlem, joining a company where I felt like I would, I would be supported and I would have people surrounding me that looked like me. Um, but in the end, my goal was always to dance for ABT. And I had to have, you know, people that people outside that were helping me to see that, um, you know, what I wanted was bigger than myself. And I think that to be able to create change and bring more diversity to ballet, for me, it felt like being at ABT was the way to do that. Yeah, I I read about that, actually. And I I thought to myself, you know, even though that would have been an amazing opportunity for you, did you think in a way that that would almost be like accepting defeat, like you can't, break that boundary that should be broken and that I need to do this not just for me but for all the future ballerinas even though that's an amazing opportunity that's not my dream and why shouldn't I have that dream come true why not you know I mean the thing is is that Dance Youth of Harlem is such an important you know entity that has needed to exist and has given to generations of black and brown dancers um But like you said, you know, for me, my goal was always American Ballet Theater. It was their repertoire. It was their history. It was all of these things that I wanted to be a part of and that, and to have that dream be deferred because, um, you know, I felt like I would be more accepted in another space. I didn't feel, you know, stopping and really thinking about the bigger picture. It didn't feel like that was big enough to stop me. Um, Yeah. So, but again, it was having support. And once I just made that decision to stay on that route, having a a strong support system behind me that was going to continue to remind me on those days when you just feel like, you you know, you can't do it alone. Who would you say your biggest support was if you had to choose one person? I can't. I literally can't. Um, I would Top say, three. <laughs> I know. Okay. Top, thank you. <laughs> um, my husband, uh, we, we met when I was 21. He was my first boyfriend and he literally has been with me on this journey and been someone um, who's very confident in who he is and um, communicating and uh, he's, I'd say just helped me to understand the importance of like having a voice and, and knowing how to articulate yourself and doing it in a way where people don't feel attacked and, and they feel like you're having an open dialogue. Um, it, but Susan Failtill, uh, who was actually on the board of, of American Ballet Theater, a black woman, um, having her kind of on that side of things, but, uh, Kevin really giving her permission, I guess, you know, cause it's, it, 
it's a fine line between, you know, donors and board of directors and the dancers, but he, he wanted her to um, feel comfortable in being kind of this, you know, elder black woman that could give me advice, having been on the inside of how, you know, a mm. company works. Um, she, she was a really big um, advocate for me and helping me to kind of navigate as a black woman in that space. Um, and then Raven Wilkinson, um, who is a black ballerina who danced for the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. And she was the only black woman in the company in the 1950s. And then became one of my closest friends when I found out she lived a block away from me in New York City. <laughs> and she passed away about three years, three years ago now. Mm. Uh, I'm actually, I just finished my next book, which is about her. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so I'll definitely read it. <laughs> I'm so excited to share, you know, it's, it's, it's her story and paralleled kind of with our story mm-hmm. um, together, but her, her influence in, you know, knowing that she went through all that she did dancing in, in the South, in the United States in the 1950s, the segre- segregated South and dealing with racism on a level that I could never imagine and still seeing the beauty in what she did and pushing through to be a classical dancer um, is so incredibly admirable, but having her in my life personally, I'd say she's been like the person that gave me like a second wind to see that, um, it wasn't about how old I was or following anyone else's journey and seeing these limitations, but, but knowing that I could make my career what I wanted to be. Yeah. I think without our mentors, um, none of us would be where we are today. Yeah. And that it's so important to, have a mentor if um if you don't have one um who are some of your mentors um oh thanks for asking um for me i my parents um my mum was a huge support to me uh used to drive me to the, the royal ballet school at like 5 a.m in the morning every day because yeah. i was a bit of a home girl and didn't want to board or anything yeah i get it and then i had this really important person in my life who also recently died um he was a ballet master of the marinsky and also a teacher at the Vaganova academy and he sort of discovered me in england i was introduced to him when i was about 10 so i had a few classes with him and then he helped me um have an audition to get into the school and then he became uh, someone who would um, have me over on Sundays for dinner and things like that so he felt like a sort of Russian dad um, yeah. yeah and he really helped me and like before any performance or exam he would like go like this and I just oh, that I little fist it. was just like yes I got this oh, I love <laughs> it I love it yeah it's, it's you so just need that powerful. yeah it's yeah really, that's and never forget those things um I want to talk about another boundary that you've broken, um, which is uh, also being accepted to have, you know, more athletic build. Um, and you're, you have the most beautiful body. I just think it's absolutely stunning. And, um, but that was a struggle for you. And um, you were told, as you put it, uh, to lengthen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, you struggled with puberty and then uh, emotional eating and, Uh, I want to talk about this just because, again, I get a lot of messages from girls wanting help and guidance towards that because they have a lot of eating disorders or things like that. So um, tell us a bit about your struggle with that and also how you overcame that, because I think that's um, 
something that's really difficult to do once you're in that cycle. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of twofold, I think, with what my experience was. I think first it was being a ballet dancer and being a woman, being a young woman, uh, going through puberty while I was dancing professionally, which a lot yeah, of tough. dancers experience. Um, and then on the other side of it, it was being a black woman um, where, you know, so I'll start with the first, <laughs> I'll start okay. with the first part of that. Um, you know, it was really hard again, not having a support around me um, when I was going through all of this. I mean, I didn't get my period until I was 19 years old and I was already in the court of ballet. I think the first time I got my period was doing Swan Lake in the court of ballet, wearing a white tutu, which is extremely <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> um, yeah. And then from there, I, um, I ended up with a back injury uh, and the, the doctors attributed it, it to me not having started my period until later in life. I actually uh, had the same, um, no the same injury as you. Oh my God, <laughs> back sisters. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fractured um, my L3 in my lower back. Yeah. Did you, was it the same? It, it was, I can't remember exactly where it was lower lumbar, but yeah. And I had low bone density because again, I started my period really late. And so the strain of the work and then yeah. on this low bone density body, because I was basically like, obviously not eating enough and right. I was a bit underweight yeah. and, and then I was obsessed with stretching my back and like any dancer just kept stretching, yeah, must yeah. get back flexible. Um, right. Yeah. And then obviously completely damaged myself. Um, I ended up with a, a stress fracture in my, in my back and, um, I ended up taking a year off and I wore a back brace and this was my first year in the company. Yeah, devastating. It was devastating. Um, but what the doctors did, uh, you know, they said, oh, well, why don't we put you on, um, on birth control and, um, and really get your, your period started and, and being regular. And, um, you know, again, this was over 20 years ago. So, uh, we didn't have, it wasn't as regulated. So, you know, I went on birth control and I gained 10 pounds in like two months. Oh God. Um, yeah, it, it was a nightmare. So that was kind of the start of me just like feeling overwhelmed and, and, um, you know, I went from being this prodigy and being ideal for ballet to all of a sudden, uh, you know, not ABT was kind of like, what do we do with you? Um, and how do we, how do we support you? And, um, you know, I think things are a little different today, but back then, you know, there, it was kind of like, oh, just go see this nutritionist. And it was like, yeah. with what money, you know, I, I, there wasn't a lot of support built in and like an infrastructure. It, and I think ballet companies need to do that, especially for young, for young dancers. Um, so, you know, it just took time and it was, and it was outside resources. It wasn't within the ABT where I kind of found this balance, but it was figuring out how to reassess what I was going through with the new body I was in, not trying to get back to the 19 year old Misty pre pubescent, um, not trying to have my body look like anyone around me, but um, what am I eating that is not serving my body, treat my body with respect. It's an instrument that has to deliver a certain, you know, level of physical, uh, you know, ability. Yeah. And so, you know, but it was that on top of trying to decipher and understand how people talk about black bodies and how they talk about 
Black women's bodies, which can be very negative and very nasty. And yeah. so for me, it was, and I've had these conversations with Kevin McKenzie as well. Um, you know, when I look at, you know, my body and I have a bigger bust and I'm more muscular and I look at a Jillian Murphy's body who has a bigger bust and is who, are, who is more muscular. And why aren't these things, these negative attributes and, and, and these conversations being had with a white dancer who is similar in build. And so, you know, it was really deciphering when you're being told you don't have the right body for ballet. You know, for me, it was, you don't have the right skin color for ballet. That's what people mean. And so that became a bigger picture purpose for me. How do I change the language that's being used? How do I help to bring more diversity and inclusion into ballet? Um, and so going through that experience at 19 years old, I think was like life-changing for me because it, it just gave me more of an understanding of where the ballet world should be headed and how you uh, include more black dancers and stop uh, pigeonholing them by saying they don't have the right bodies when a lot of them have the same bodies as other dancers in the company. Um, so it just opened up a bigger conversation for me. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think, you know, you're so strong because even, you know, back then you made it uh, less about you and more about, you know, the bigger picture, you know, I because think obviously it's easier to get through things. I think when I, when you look at things that way, when you bring yeah. more into the conversation it's not just about you it's easier to deal with things that yeah, are I think everyone should listen to that point <laughs> because I think we're all too like self-absorbed right. and like right. feel like we're completely alone in right. this and it's like no there's definitely definitely at least one other person yeah. <laughs> who's going through the exact same thing um yeah and that's um yeah really incredible I um to talk about food a little bit um I wasn't even I, I never thought of myself as heavy at all, but once I was told to uh, lose weight and told to be uh, 50 kilograms um, at Vaganova and is by these very old fashioned teachers. And, you know, I'm like nearly five foot 11 and I was like 50 kilos, like, but I was like, okay, sure, no yeah. problem. So then I became 51 kilos and obviously looked anorexic and looked completely hideous and had no strength like could barely jump off the floor and then they looked at me and said what's wrong with you you look awful right. what have you been doing and I said I've literally just done what, what you, you told me to do you know and um that again just brings me to the point of you know I know there's a lot of schools out there who you know put dancers on the scale and want them to be weighed and you know what's your opinion of that and do you think schools should be doing that or do you think you know, it should just be more about how they look and how they're performing. Absolutely think that is the, a horrible thing to be yeah. doing. Um, again, like it's, it's to, to compare people to that type of, you know, exact measurement, it just, it's not realistic in any way. I mean, there are very thin girls that have more dense bones and that might weigh heavier than other people. Like there's so many aspects to this that make it just not make any sense. And I feel like when you think about it and you think about dancers throughout history who have made an impact like in ballet, um, that maybe don't all fit this mold, but they have done something that makes you feel, it, it moves you. It's not about those things. It's about giving everyone an opportunity to see what's inside of them, to see mm -hmm. what, what they can 
bring to the stage and make an audience feel in the end, I think, I think we lose sight of all of this. Yeah. In, in the end, like that's what it's for. It's for people to come to the theater, to feel an escape, to feel moved, to see an artist on stage. In the end, it's about your artistry and the, the technique plays a part in the, in the artist that you are, but it's not about, you know, how long your tibia is and <laughs> how big or small your head is. And I think that you just lose sight of all of that. Um, and it's impossible to m measure those things. And I think you'd be missing out on so much incredible talent that's out there. Absolutely. And I, I kind of want to bring uh, social media into this conversation now, because obviously, again, uh, I'm sure maybe you too, you know, you get a lot of messages from people constantly saying, you know, but I'm never going to be good enough. You know, there's this girl who's like, you know, half my size and she's nine and she's doing 20 pirouettes already. And, um, you know, people get really overwhelmed. And uh, to some degree, I'm so grateful that I did not have social media when I was training because I think I would have just been obsessed with it. And I'm sure it's so difficult for young people now. But um, talking about the art and everything, it concerns me because you know, um, with the constant focus on tricks and comparison and everything, you know, how can we advise young dancers to not lose the connection with the most important thing really um, behind ballet, which is the art and the artistry? Yeah, I mean, I agree that that I, I'm just so thankful that I didn't grow up in that in that yeah. time. But because we didn't, I think we have a different perspective and can give uh, you know advice um, and support to dancers who have grown up in this world and it's all they know. Um, but I think in the end, if you think about it, even just really logically, and you look at these dancers and and their pirouettes on or whatever it is, the strengthening and stretching that they're showing off on their on their their, uh, social pages that captures 30 seconds, one minute of something. Um, and it's, it's not about, you know, what it is you're working towards in this technique. And it's being able to have the stamina and the strength and the ability to uh, tie these technical feats together. It's the transitions leading up to a pirouette or a jeté or, or you're an extension of a leg um, that make it dance. Um, I think that when we, we just kind of isolate these things, it's no longer the art form that we're all a part of and the, the beauty and what, what we enjoy. And so, you know, what I say to dancers that I mentor is, is, and it's so much easier to say than it is to, to do, but just to not compare yourself to other people, because you're all in such a different journey. You have no idea what, what that dancer on the other side of that lens is going through when they're not doing their pirouettes that they've edited and put onto their page. The, the, the most perfect out of 30 takes they probably took or whatever it is. There's so many things that you don't know that the other person's going through. And so it's really about putting the focus into yourself and, and your journey. Um, and enjoying what you're doing, enjoying the process. Like I think in the end, that's like most important. We, we give and sacrifice so much to be a part of this art form. And if you're not enjoying it, um, you know, people can see through that, whether it's the, uh, the company you're auditioning for, the artistic staff, whoever it is, they, they, can, they can see um, the authenticity of uh, a dancer who's really put in the work and is not just kind of imbalanced in their technique. Um, because once you go on stage, you're so vulnerable and you're so naked and you have to be able to perform and tie all of these things together that make it dance. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, sometimes, you know, I'm flicking through Instagram and I see someone do 10 pirouettes, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's super impressive. Like, well done. (laughs) But then like, um, like, (laughs) but then I watch someone and this is why I just love also why I went to Vaganova as well, because I fell in love with their uh, expression mm-hmm. and how they express themselves. Like they move an arm and a head and I'm just like, wow, you know, just completely mesmerized. Yeah. And that's something, again, I just really try to translate to my students now, because obviously there's something within a dancer that, you know, like, oh, she's she's got it you know like mm. she has it within her but then there's a way to like bring that out and right. that's what they did for me because yeah. I was quite I was criticized for being very stiff okay in how I moved and then they mm. really taught me how to express um but my point being you know I don't really care if someone does 10 or someone does you know two or three it's just like how they move like you say into the pirouette and out of it like I think the in-between steps and um, the expression behind it is what's most important. I mean, I think again, like we lose sight of, um, what dance is and it's, it's storytelling. It's yeah. storytelling through movement. So all of those things, all of those technical aspects serve a purpose. And I think that especially this generation, we, we get caught up in, in, in those things and, and not really understanding what they're there for yeah. in all choreography, you know, the it's, it's telling a part of the story. Yeah, exactly. I want to talk about your stage life a little bit. Um, cause obviously dance to dance, so we can talk about those things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with nerves before you go on stage? I mean, do you get nervous at all? I probably, the older I get, the more nervous I get. And oh, that's I, interesting. You would think I, it's the other way around. No, um, I would hear this a lot. Like I remember when I first joined ABT and, and I won't name the dancers, but watching them um, as they got older and being debilitated, um, not being able to go on stage and, and uh, be as free as they once were. And I think it's, you know, kind of the older you get, you have more perspective on, um, I guess, the weight of mm of what it is you're doing, um, you know, that when you're younger, you just kind of, maybe this isn't that way for every young person, but for me, I would just go out there and it was like so much fun. And, and you don't really understand, um, you know, the pressures, I guess. Um, but, but in general, I'm not someone who gets nervous when I perform. There are certain ballets that I think have, have more, more pressure built into them, like a Swan Lake, Swan Lake, I would say the biggest one <laughs> for me. Um, that, you know, ballot mains that they, you know, ex- expect a certain thing. And for me, it's kind of been reassessing and like going back and, um, and reminding myself, like I've been saying, like, what am I doing this for? And who yeah. is it really for? Um, but to, for me, it's, I try not to make a shift in anything that I'm doing on a performance day that to make it any more special than a rehearsal day. Because what we forget is that on a daily basis, when we go into the studio and rehearse and we're preparing for to go on stage for certain roles, um, we do it. We go out there and we just do it in rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, and so then we we go to go on stage and we're like, wait, I don't know if I can do it. And it's like, well, yes, you can. You've been <laughs> doing it. You've been doing it every day for however long you've been preparing. And so I think with that mindset, it allows me to stay more grounded and um, 
and not kind of get caught up in this whirlwind of, of expectation. Um, so, you know, in a performance day, like I arrive, you know, with the same amount of time I would, if I were arriving to the studio to prepare for class, um, I like to go on stage and just kind of feel the energy before I, um, before I go into hair and makeup or something like mm. certain rituals, I guess yeah. I have, but nothing that, um, will kind of pull me or, you know, people have certain rituals where it's like, if I can't fit all of that in, oh my God, my whole day is ruined and my performance isn't going to go well. So I don't do anything like that. I make sure that they are, you know, natural organic things that, you know, should be a part of preparing to perform. So yeah, it's breathing through things, keeping things as natural and grounded as possible and reminding myself that, um, I am prepared for this. That's what we do as classical dancers. We train our whole lives. We rehearse so that we can go on stage and rely on our body and our muscle memory to yeah. do, do. I think, yeah, one thing that really helped me was I watched an interview once and uh, a dancer said like, it's kind of, she would think about what she was going to do after the show. So she was like, I'm going to go home and have some sushi. And it's <laughs> like, it just kind of really like dials down what we're doing. How Absolutely. Like, yeah, like, yeah I'm just going to do the show, no problem. And then go and have some sushi. I love that. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, yeah, salmon skin roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that really helped me because I was just like an A1 warrior, a massive really? panicker. <sighs> yeah. Even though I was like, I think I was suffering a lot with perfectionism. And, you know, it took me ages to accept, like, you know, I know what I'm doing, for God's sake. Like, it doesn't matter if you're not feeling 100% or whatever something happened that day it's kind of that whole thing of one thing happens and you're like oh my god the world's it's, crushing down on me and um, the beauty though of like live performance that I enjoy so much is that um a lot of things are out of our control like when it comes to like you know if you're you're, you're dealing with a live orchestra and a, and a conductor you know that they're not going to always do exactly what you want no and unfortunately I, not <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. And we're prepared, we've prepared ourselves in a way that you can adjust in the moment. I think you have to give yourself that freedom. And there's something about that that I really enjoy and that I love about live theater is that um, we're technically, you know, prepared to do what we need to do. But in general, you have to have some flexibility. Something might go wrong with your partner and you have to be able to adjust in the moment. The tempo might be faster or slower than you want it to be. And I think there's something beautiful about that challenge. I think it's learning to trust yourself really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, Which I guess comes with maturity as well. Um, I was going to talk about as well, what happens when, you know, dancers reach their sort of end goal that might be the goal of I've got to get into that company or I've got to be a principal dancer and I've noticed a lot of dancers like work so hard to get into their goals and then they get their goal let's say they achieve becoming the principal and then a lot of them think okay uh now what and they kind of they kind of like okay I've reached my goal and they kind of lose not everyone but some people like really then lose motivation and lose the reason why they're doing this at all mm-hmm. kind of got their gold medal right. and what's your advice towards that because obviously you 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 know achieved becoming um, a principal dancer and how did you feel when that happened and did you stay motivated to just achieve more and more or did you ever think okay you know now what <laughs> you know it's I will speak from my experience but I just I feel like 
um, it's okay to, to, uh, to feel like you want to move on. You know, I feel like people often, you know, they set these goals and then it's kind of like, they feel disappointed, like, oh, well, I was expecting for it to be something else, or I should keep doing this because I'm so fortunate to be in this position and, and, and hold this title. And, um, but it's okay to, to want to move on as well. But, but for me, again, like I said, I love being in the studio. I love the process. I love the challenge. And so even when I was, um, you know, I was in the court of ballet for seven years before I was promoted. And I think I was a soloist for like seven or eight years before I was promoted to principal. So, um, I had to find joy in the work I was doing. I mean, I can't tell you how many peasant potatoes I've done or how many potatoes in Swan Lake or, right. you know, the, and, and you have to find, well, for me, it's like, I had to find new ways of interpreting a role or enjoying the process, um, to be happy. And, and, and I was happy to do that. And I think that's how I've, how I've, um, you know, I've kind of stayed present and stayed grounded and stayed striving, um, is enjoying the challenge. Like we're not robots. So we can't just like, uh, you know, program, like, you know, our best performance program it, save it. And then like that, that is what it is. Like, we're going to be dealing with something, our body going through something different every single day. One day you can do however many pirouettes the next day, maybe you can't. Um, you know, we're always striving for consistency, but you're not always going to be the same every day. And I think there's an incredible challenge in that. So for me, it's about, you know, what's even more challenging is approaching the same role year after year and making yeah. it better and making it different. And I think that's, what's kept me, um, I don't know, striving, you know, even when I'm in these places for many years at a time, um, but everyone's different. And, and I think that it's, it's okay to feel that you feel like you've accomplished what you've wanted to accomplish. Yeah. That's really, um, yeah, really interesting. And also really nice for you to say that to everyone as well because obviously I think a lot of people feel pressure and uh, especially for well someone like me who has sort of removed myself a little well from the professional field um, that was very 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 difficult because you feel pressure to continue even though something inside you says I think I want to do something else now Mm -hmm. Um, but again I'm also trying to relay that message that it's okay if you want to do something different Um, now, when you became a principal dancer and, you know, how did you find balance um, between maintaining that high status of a principal dancer and also pursuing all your other amazing projects that's happening? Like, do you find that enjoyable? Is it slightly stressful? How do you find that balance? Because you're doing so much and, you know, it's kind of a lot you've got to take on. Um, I've, you know... I don't have like a big team of people around me. I have a manager who I've worked with for almost 10 years now um, and like her assistant. And I think people assume that I've got like this huge team of people and um, and we're all kind of like uh, doing, there's a lot going on. And in reality, um, I've made it very clear with my team of two women that ballet comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if I say that I want things to be different than, than they will be, but for now, that's where, that's where we start every conversation when it's something outside of my ballet career. So I think that's how I have found balance is that, um, 
everything revolves around what I'm doing at ABT. So nothing ever interferes with ballet class in the morning. Nothing ever interferes with any rehearsals or performance schedule. Um, everything has to be worked around when I'm available outside of that structure. Um, and that's kind of kept my head on like straight. Um, yeah. but it's, it's making sacrifice. There's no way around it. Like doing all that I do is hard work and sacrifice. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the time people look at this like celebrity or they, they look at the opportunities I have, but it's not something that's happened overnight. And, and there's a purpose behind it. You know, my goal has always been to bring more diversity to ballet, to make it more accessible to more people. Um, and then I worked backwards from there, but that was the first conversation I had with my manager was what it, what it is I wanted to do. And then from there, it was years and years of, you know, waking up before ballet class or getting up on my one day off and going to a public school and speaking to kids and showing them what's possible, seeing, um, a, a black woman that's doing something that's, uh, kind of breaking the mold of what's what we're told we can do. Those types of things, you know, that's been year and year and year in and out of, of, of working towards, um, you know, an Under Armour campaign or yeah. things that align with uh, the messaging and what I stand for. So it's not just taking every opportunity, but but it's 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 work and it's not just um, walking on a red carpet or doing this fabulous photo shoot, you know, it's, 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 uh, no, I, I, I completely think it's down to sheer hard work that you've achieved what you have <laughs> and you have achieved it completely and you're continuing to achieve it. And you've done so much, so much for the ballet world. And, you know, you're a huge, huge role model to so many dancers out there. And, um, yeah, I think it's just absolutely amazing what you've done. Thank you so much. Yeah, really. Um, as we're approaching the end of the interview, I asked a few of my uh, students um, if, if they'd like to ask you anything, because I thought that would be quite cute. Okay. <laughs> and um, one of my students asked, where do you get most of your creative inspiration from? Oh, what a qu great question. Um, oh my gosh, it comes from everywhere. Like, I feel like when I was, when I was younger music, it, it was music. Like we, were, we started this conversation yeah. was such a big part of where I would find inspiration. I mean, um, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't classical music. It was always, I don't know, whatever I could get my hands on, um, <laughs> uh, that was inspiring me. I think now it comes from, um, I don't know, my son that I just had three oh my gosh congratulations, congratulations. um it's it's from um conversations that I have like um being exposed to more than just dance and ballet but you know different forms of art um I think that's a big one actually to interrupt you briefly is because yeah. like a lot of dancers think no it's just ballet 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 and they yeah. don't let themselves live I mean I definitely did that and um, it's only now later having uh, a life outside that I find that other things are much more interesting and the ballet yeah. is better and the inspiration's yes. there more. And, you know, I think a lot of young people need to take that message. You completely, yes, nailed it. Exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. But I think that 
it's so hard for young people, I think, to understand and find the balance, but there's so much, it's so beneficial to live your life and experience other things. And I think that because I started dancing late later, um, that I maybe had a different mentality, um, just from my life experiences. Um, you know, when I moved to New York, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, this is such a diverse city. This will be amazing to experience. And then my days were spent eight hours only surrounded by white dancers. And so my natural instinct was to say, I need to, um, I need to make friends outside of ballet and I need to explore and be able to relate to other people who come from similar backgrounds or who look like me. And, um, and so I was exploring New York City from a young age and, and going to concerts and art galleries and museums. And so I think that that is uh, extremely beneficial, you know, to be able to develop as an individual and as a person, because that makes you a more interesting artist when you have real life experiences to pull from when you're portraying characters who have lived life. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, my Vaganova teacher always used to say, say to me, because I think she, she saw how like uptight I was <laughs> and how serious she was like, you know, do you, are you going to a party later? Have you got a boyfriend? All that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, no, of course not. I got to stretch tonight. <laughs> Those are the best teachers though, that, you know, Irina Kopakova, yeah. uh, Molly Theater, like she's not only an incredible coach but um she's she's amazing in that way that she's she's you know it's like life is going to continue on after ballet and and it's exactly. about being happy and you know and so she you know she's someone that that has an an understanding of what that means I mean she was an incredible artist and um and the importance of having that balance I think it leads to a lasting career I think people who don't have that balance burn out quick exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one more question and then uh, we'll finish. Um, at times when you felt unmotivated or overwhelmed before a performance um, or even before a ballet class, were there specific thoughts you would always reflect on in order to um, push through and keep hmm. pushing? Thoughts. I mean, there's definitely, I, you know, breathing is such a big big part of being able to like find your center again um, that I do whether it's before a class or before I step onto stage um, that really centers me but uh, I often think about like Raven Wilkinson who's you know my mentor um, and when I'm having like a hard day and I think like what a hard day was like for her <laughs> and yeah. and um, that like if she could persevere and succeed with uh all of the setbacks um that she had like I can get through this yeah and I think it kind of puts things into perspective and and, and allows you to see that um you're not alone things aren't as difficult as you may think they are there is a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> I think um throughout our conversation I've noticed there's quite a there's a sort of pattern with how you've gotten through a lot of things and I think it's you've managed to sort of uh either think about somebody else or remove mm. not about that it's not about you this mm. what you're what you're going through and think about other people so you know if you're nervous think about the people watching like what are you giving them and you know thinking about someone else suffering out there you need to help them in order to yeah. you know so I think that's something that 
that we could all take away from this main conversation is that don't focus so much on yourself and think outside and you know um what's the bigger picture here and the bigger purpose yeah we're not we're not in this alone and there have been so many people that have done it before us and experienced similar things exactly um (laughs) wow well thank you so much misty um it's been a huge honor to speak with you today and i'm just so thrilled um you agreed to come on the podcast and speak with me you're an inspiring woman and also inspiring to me because i you're not only a principal dancer but you're also a successful um mentor to so many dancers and you know public figure out there and which is what this world needs so um once again thank you so much and i'm sure the listeners at home have loved this conversation and yeah thank you (laughs) so much for having me (laughs) so guys i hope you found that as inspiring as i did what a huge honor um speaking with misty copeland and um i hope you've taken something away from that conversation um please get in touch with me if you um, resonated with that and once again thank you so much if you're new here to a dancer's mindset welcome we're all about helping young dancers um bring more awareness to our feelings and how to be as successful as possible in this um, industry because as we all know ballet is really really difficult and speaking with people you know um, as incredible as Misty um, really just helps more and more people so thank you so much for listening or watching and bye for now